Hi, you're listening to Cool Chats, the Cool Choir podcast, profiling the personal lives of our members across Calgary, Western Canada. You can find more information on Cool Choir by visiting coolchoir.com or at our public Facebook page by searching Cool Choir. Thanks for listening. Hi everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Cool Chats podcast. We are into double figures this week with episode 10 and I thought it would be fun to have a chat on the mic today with one of our long-time members, Tick. And you're going to learn a lot about Tick today. He's a very unique and special guy in our choir community. Um, well, I say guy, by the way, because he, of course, is one of our <laughs> rare but treasured, revered gentlemen in the choir. And also what's interesting about Tick is that he has had a very illustrious and rich musical background. Many people come to Cool Choir just to love to sing. I I personally believe everybody is musical, whether they realise or not. But some people come to the choir who have had quite an extensive musical sort of past, if you like, in terms of, you know, different activities, singing other choirs, playing instruments and that sort of thing. And and actually come to the choir with, with a reasonable musical foundation. So... It gives me great pleasure to welcome to episode 10 of the podcast today, Tick. Hi, Tick. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. Good morning. And as you know, I always say good morning because it's always morning somewhere. <laughs> I thought it was always wine o'clock somewhere. Isn't that what it is? Well, it, it might be, but I don't drink, so I can't claim that. Oh, you don't drink? You mean no. you come to my choir rehearsals and you don't drink? <laughs> That's true. Some people um, wonder how I get through it. <laughs> well, I... Well, I have to say, I'm going to start actually with something very basic here. I'm going to start with your name. You have um, a very interesting name, um, and which is, I have to say, has become something of a brand for you because I've noticed the way you use your name in various contexts. So um, how do we actually pronounce your full name? Well, my first name is Tick, and it's spelled T-I-K, and it's unlike the blood-sucking insect. Uh, just want to make sure we get that clarified because some people don't know that. Um, my last name uh, is Ukrainian. It's uh, wonderful because it has a full AZ at the end, so it incorporates, you know, the whole range of the alphabet. Uh, in English, you would say Tikolas, but in Ukrainian, you would say Tikolas. So in English, my name is Tik Tikolas, and, and my first name actually comes from my last name. It's, it's not the name that I was born with. I changed my name because uh, my friend and I were both, we both had the same first name, in elementary school and of course everybody would call out our name and we'd both turn around to see you know which one of us they were calling and finally he got tired of it one day and he said you know that's enough is enough uh, from now on i am and you are tick and i said oh that's very interesting i like that it's very different and unique and so i started using it and actually 20 years ago i legally changed it so you have actually legally changed it to tick absolutely and it's interesting because I got the pronunciation of your surname completely wrong up until this point. I, for some reason in my head, thought it was Tick Tykolaz. So I'm glad also to be educated today. <laughs> well, that's that's normal because, of course, you know, English is a is a bit of an offshoot of a Germanic language. Well, we're a blend, right? Romance, Germanic, we're all kinds of blends in the English language. And so we often tend to read things the way we see it. And that's that's why people pronounce it that way. 
Well, I shouldn't be getting it wrong because I, for one, know firsthand the frustrations of people that get my name wrong, and I don't find my name particularly difficult. For those listening, um, throughout my ni- life, I have been known as Jamie Safari. Oh yes, when you first glance at my name for the first time, I suppose it does look a bit like Safari. <laughs> But, of course, it's not. It's Serafi. So, of course, I was bullied all through school. I was known as, you know, Jamie's going on safari and Jamie's safari. And then, of course, when I was hugely overweight, which I still am, um, I was known as Jamie Safati. So how about that? Just how cruel are the youth of today? (laughs) Don't call me that, please. (laughs) They've been cruel for all generations. Well, anyway, we're not here to talk about that. Um, we was, I was saying at the beginning of the podcast uh, that some of our members come to Cool Choir with um, a variety of different backgrounds. Uh, some actually come to the choir with a lot of musical knowledge and background as well. And I think actually it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about some of your other musical uh, exploits that you have been involved in in the past that uh, brought you to Cool Choir. Sure. I mean... Uh... My history with music goes back all the way into the the mid-1970s when I was a child. And, um, you know, like a lot of people here, we had one of those very large, those wooden cabinet stereo consoles in the living room that was the size of a couch, basically. Um, And I'm pretty sure you had those in England. I think they were called radiograms. Oh, now you're testing me. Radiograms. I thought you were actually, for some reason, thought you were referring to... Well, we'll probably just call them a cabinet of some description. Anyway, please continue. <laughs> right. So they're they're about the size of a small couch, and inside there was a, a four-speed record player, an AM/FM tuner, an eight-track player. That was that was before the days of cassettes, really. And then, of course, the cabinet had two big, large speakers, one on each end of the cabinet. So it took up a lot of space, very heavy, and that kind of thing. And my, my mother and my sister had big record collections, and so they had records that spanned from the 1950s, 60s, and then, you know, all the current music into the 1970s. And we would play those records and we would dance. I know you don't, you never see me move and dance, but we would dance and sing for hours in the living room. And and my sister even taught me how to do the steps to the hustle, which was a really big song in the 1970s here in North America. Uh, And I still remember some of those steps today, actually. Wow, the hustle. Yeah, I, I, I come across the hustle. I thought you were going to say something like, you know, you were taught how to do the steps or the dance to <laughs> some, something like uh, Saturday night or I don't know, the what's the other one, the Spanish sounding one that everybody dances to. But of course, that was more modern. Oh, probably the Macarena, I think you're yes. thinking. I'm rambling, just ignore me. <laughs> That's all right. Um, and actually, going back to what you said a moment ago, you were talking about um, uh, the, the the old eight tracks and stuff. So I believe the company was called Tas- Tascam. Is it Tascam? I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with that. Yeah, I think it was called from the, oh, that, maybe that was the 90s. There was a, the, the company was called Tascam and they did these sort of tape, multi-track tape, tape recorders, basically. Um, well, at least it wasn't over in the UK, but yeah. <clears throat> Could be, yeah. And of course, the, the eight tracks are similar to uh, reel-to-reel machines, um, one of which I actually have downstairs in, in my home. Um, I don't know if it works anymore, but it's it's sitting there. It's very, very heavy. You'd be worth um, getting that valued because we are, of course, there are collectors, you know, that still buy that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've definitely thought of it. Um, so anyway, so sorry, sorry to digress. So after that, uh, you know, we moved on, of course, uh, went into elementary school. And of course, we had music class in, in elementary school and you know we learned how to play everyone's favorite instrument the recorder um 
and I have one of those too, actually, in my closet somewhere. And, and of course, it's the perfect weapon. You know, if someone breaks into your home, you just pull that thing out and start playing it, and they'll, they'll run away. And we all have a recorder in our closets, Tick. Don't forget. <laughs> I don't doubt it at all. You know, um, yeah, we all have a recorder, definitely. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Great instrument. But, but, but I was also very lucky because I had the opportunity to play a set of handbells. And I, and I don't mean those little cheap toys you buy on Amazon, those little colored toys. I mean the, the full-on, you know, professional multi-octave set, the ones that are like tens of thousands of dollars. And we had that opportunity to play those. Um, and then we did, you know, we did a little concert and that kind of thing with them. And that was a great experience because, of course, that, that really opens you up to not just the complexity of, of playing an instrument, you know, having to think and count and, and do all those things at once, but of course the richness of the, the variety of the tonal uh, information that you get from that, right? When you're listening to things that are spanning so many different notes and all being played together in harmonies and stuff like that, it was, it was a great experience. Wow. And we also sang. So we didn't do multi-part harmony, of course. I mean, we're only, you know, kids in like grade five and that kind of thing. But what we did do, another really interesting thing we did is we learned sign language. And so for the teacher's convention way back in 1979, uh, we stood on the stage of the Jubilee Auditorium and we sang Joseph's Coat from Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then we signed to a recording of Tom T. Hall's I Love You Too. And so we did that performance. So I remember speaking to you uh, I think it was the first time that, that we went to the Jubilee to the performance. And I said to you, oh, yeah, I've been, I've been performing on this stage and off and on for decades. And that, that was the first experience was way back in 1979. So that was the year I was born, actually, not to make you feel too old. <laughs> no, not at all. It wasn't June 1979, was it? <laughs> no, it was February. Ah, okay, close. So, so actually, what you're really telling me is that you have, you know, you have donned the stage of the Jubilee Auditorium previous to the Cool Choir performance. Oh yes, many times. Uh, whether that was with another music organization or even high school, um, we played when I was in grade nine uh, in junior high. Uh, we performed for that year's graduation class, and so we were on stage at the Jubilee doing that. And you obviously enjoyed. Um, well, you've equally you've kept an equal balance, seemingly, of, of of sort of instrumental and vocal. It would seem because um, obviously, you know, you sing with us in Cool Choir, um, but I also know that you not only sing in another choir in the city, but you also uh, play. Well, <laughs> pre-COVID, you play um, an instrument as well. Yeah, in junior high, uh, we had limited options for classes that were, you know, outside of the core cur curriculums, the, the option classes. And so I decided to give band a try because I enjoyed the music part so much in elementary school. So I took up the trumpet and joined the concert band. And then I did that through all of junior high and high school. And it was fantastic, of course, because, um, you know, who, who doesn't love playing an instrument, those of us who do. Um, but was what was really fun about it actually was that when I was in junior high, uh, just because I was becoming a bit of a band geek, um, I actually joined the Calgary Roundup Band, which is a, a marching band here in Calgary. And that was a great experience, not just because it was the marching band and because it was interesting, but I got my first taste of performing internationally because we traveled to California and we performed at, you know, Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm and SeaWorld and stuff. And then we did a special performance for the mayor of Anaheim in front of Anaheim City Hall while we were there. Goodness me. Now this stuff I didn't know about. 
Yeah. I said to myself, you know, right, yep, yeah, Tick is musical and he sings and he plays, but I didn't know you'd done all this. This is really very fascinating. Disney, gosh, a dream for many to get the chance to perform at Disney. Yeah, there's a there's a slightly funny story about Disney. So one of the things they tell you when you're in a or when you're in a marching band is do not lock your knees because of course it's just like the military when you're standing at attention. If you lock your knees, you restrict the blood flow, and you'll pass out. And we actually had a member of the band pass out into a flower bed at Disney. What? <laughs> yeah, he just he locked his knees. He was in the back row when we were standing there, and he just fell over backwards into the flowers. Well. If you have to, you know, if you have to kind of <laughs> drop dead in a flower bed, then there's worse places, I suppose. Hey, hopefully, it was right. <laughs> That's right. So after I got out of high school, um, I took a couple of music theory courses in university, which are, are, you know, different now, 30 years later than they were then. But they were, they were relatively advanced theory. And um, for, for about five minutes, uh, I thought that I might want to write music. Uh, the way one of our shared favorite characters, Mr. Holland, did, oh. but that didn't work out. Yes, I was going to say, we actually have quite a lot in common when it comes to that, and we're going to touch touch upon that shortly. So, yeah, so you so you were thinking about going down the, comp you were going to call yourself a composer, is that right? Something like that, yeah. But it, it didn't work out. So, um, you know, I, I sang and performed in church for a really brief period. And then I really didn't do anything music related for about 12 years. There was a really big gap there where I just I didn't do anything at all. I didn't play an instrument. I didn't sing anything. I mean, I probably sang in the shower and in the car like everyone does. But, uh, you know, nothing formal, nothing structured and that kind of thing. And then in 2001, so again, quite a while ago, uh, I guess that's 20 years ago now. Wow. Yes. Yes. 20 years. I actually joined a concert band uh, with the West Winds Music Society here in Calgary and took up the instrument again after 12 years. Um, and the band that I joined is, is, you know, probably equivalent to like a grade eight or grade nine junior high band in terms of skill level. I mean, we're not talking, you know, orchestras and symphonies and that kind of thing, um, but just enough to enjoy it, just enough to get back into it and, and remember how to do things. And uh, it was very, very enjoyable. And of course, we have, you know, just like any music organization, we have concerts throughout the year and, you know, stuff like that. So that was really cool. And then I, I enjoyed the organization so much that, um, you know, I got to know people as you do in, in organizations and that kind of thing. And they asked me uh, if I would take on organizing the website. And I said, yes. And I've been doing that ever since. So I've been I've been doing that website for 15 years now, uh, which puts me on the executive board, and, and that opens my exposure up to the organization in completely different ways. I mean, once you're sort of on the you know quote unquote inside of the organization, you can start to see how things are doing. So I've been doing all that kind of stuff as well for 15 years while I was, you know, also in the band and and that kind of thing, and. I, ended up being part of anniversary committees and designing logos and, and all kinds of stuff. But really what was the most interesting or has been the most interesting with me with Westwinds is that we also do international tours. And way back in uh, 2008, I had decided to join the Green Choir in Westwinds. And the Green Choir is a group, it's just for beginners. So it's for people who they can't read music, they, they've never sung before. You know, very much the same premise that you use for cool choir, which is just people who want to learn how to sing and they you know, don't necessarily know how. 
And I decided to join it, even though I had all that musical experience before I had sung, you know, before a little bit and I had played an instrument and, and doing, done all those things. But I wanted to learn how to sing better. I wanted to learn more structure and more direction and technique and things like that. So I, I joined the choir. And I'm really, really glad that I did, because in 2013, we accompanied Westwinds on an international tour to China. Wow. And on that tour, I performed with both the concert band and the choir. And that was fantastic. And I would say the highlight of that tour was when we got to perform on the Great Wall of China. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> I can't, I, I can imagine that uh, no matter what experience I tried to provide for us in cool choir over the big coming years, that, that nothing is going to quite match that, but never say never. <laughs> See. It's it's certainly a difficult thing. I mean, when you, you you can't just take a you can't just take a music group to China. You have to get permission from the Chinese government, and you know there's paperwork and you know all that fun stuff, and whatever. But it, it it was great. I mean, we got to meet some some local community bands and perform with them, and then of course you got to see all the sites. I mean, China, you know, is so culturally rich, being such a an old organization civilization, sorry, that goes back you know thousands of years, whatever. So the the trip was actually absolutely phenomenal. It was, it was definitely one of the highlights uh, that I can say of anything I've ever done before. And so when another tour opportunity came along a few years later, I think it was in 2015 or something like that, uh, that was an Eastern Europe tour. And I decided to join that one also. And we got to perform in places like Poland and the Czech Republic and Hungary. And the highlight of that tour, and this one, this one you would like, uh, it was the opportunity to sing 100 meters below ground in the Wilitska salt mine chapel in Poland. And as you can imagine, the acoustics in that chapel carved completely out of, of salt rock are absolutely stunning. Well, I, I have to tell you something. <clears throat> I don't have to imagine it because I have been to Wilitska, to the chapel. I've been there. I've been around the salt mines. I licked the walls like a madman. People were staring at me. Of course, I had to find out if it really was made of salt, which it was, I have to say. Um, but I'm also honoured to say that I have used the deepest toilet in the world because I don't know whether you wear, but uh, they say that that particular uh, washroom, toilet, restroom, <laughs> depending on where you come from, um, is actually a, apparently the deepest in the or the lowest or the deepest toilet in the world anyway that was complete offshoot from what you were talking about but just felt a need to mention it i i didn't use that washroom myself but yes i'm aware of it <laughs> so there we go something else that that we have in common and um Actually, um, time is, is, is running fast, actually, and I do want to just sort of get a little bit on to, um, uh, you know, you talk about your music and um, and actually <clears throat> we talk about some of the things that we have. We've got a couple of geeky, nerdy things that we have in common that we, um, you know, sort of talk about and joke about often. And uh, uh, we certainly have a love and a passion for kind of all things movie scores and movies in general and that kind of thing. Um, but what I'm alluding to is um, you actually have gone about 10 steps further than that because you are somebody who have you have posted for years and years and years photographs of all of the most incredible celebrities mainly in the film industry that you have met uh it'd be interesting to hear a little bit about maybe who your favorite person was that you met and and, and how you came to meet some of these people well for the past 10 years, you know, COVID notwithstanding, um, I've actually been volunteering at and attending uh, pop culture conventions, what people would call Comic-Cons. 
uh, for lack of a, a more accurate term. But um, one of the things that I've been doing is uh, I'm, I'm actually the sales manager um, for a company called Epic Photo Ops as a volunteer. And I supervise the cashiers that sell the on-site photo op tickets. Those are the people that go and get pictures with celebrities and whatever. And um, that, that started just because uh, I had gone and I had gotten a photo taken and the company that took the photo did a, a horrendously bad job and it was just terrible and I was very unhappy about it. Uh, and I decided that I needed to get it fixed. Uh, and the photo was actually with Leonard Nimoy. And there was another one with, with Brent Spiner um, who had come to Calgary um, way back like 10 or 11 years ago. And uh, I decided I need to get it fixed. So I, I wanted to look around and see if there were any other conventions I could go to to get this you know, rectified. And, and I found one in Vancouver and they were bringing a whole bunch of people in. It was like 13 people or something like that. I thought, okay, I can go to Vancouver. I mean, you know, it's not that far away and, and whatever. But then I found they had a convention in Las Vegas and the Las Vegas convention was gonna have 70 different celebrities, all from Star Trek actually. Uh, in attendance. And I thought, well, you know, it costs just as much to go to Vegas pretty much as it does to go to Vancouver, probably a little cheaper, actually. Um, so I'm going to go to Vegas and I'm going to, you know, get a, a better photo with Leonard Nimoy. And then I'm going to get all these other photos with all these other people from Star Trek. And so we did that. And so that was sort of my, my baptism by fire into the convention scene. Um, and things were so well run there that when I came back to Calgary, I happened to be working with a woman who was a volunteer for the Calgary convention. And I said to her, well, I have all these ideas on how we can make it better because, or how you guys can make it better, sorry. Um, because, you know, I just went to this convention in Las Vegas and it was fantastic. And so I wrote them all out and I gave them to her and she, she turned them into their, their executive. And then they invited me to come to one of their meetings and talk about photo ops. They said, oh, we, you know, you have ideas. I said, sure, let's go. We went to the meeting. We had this whole meeting for an hour and a half and they didn't talk about anything to do with photo ops at all. And then uh, at the end of the meeting, the, the president comes over and he says, uh, hi, uh, you know, uh, I hear you have ideas about photo ops. You want to help run it? And I said, um, uh, your yeah. eyes lit up. <laughs> well, it wasn't my intention. I just wanted it to be better for me as an attendee. <laughs> well, you so anyway, uh, I've been doing this for 10 years and I've met just under 400 celebrities at this point. And, and some of the more well-known people you'd know would be people like Whoopi Goldberg, Ben Vereen, Leonard Nimoy, Sigourney Weaver, Sir Patrick Stewart, uh, Carrie Fisher, Kevin Smith, Michael J. Fox, Gillian Anderson, Richard Dreyfuss, Jeff Goldblum. But you Tim met Curry. my favorite last year. You met my favorite celebrity. And uh, for some reason, it, the whole thing went over my head that she was going to be there. And uh, Catherine Tate, who is not so known um, over here. Yes. In but um yeah she was um she starred in doctor doctor who a couple of years ago uh, a few years ago right. and um yeah that's not the reason i i hate doctor who by the way not unlike you i'm not into science fiction at all anything right. science fiction i see anybody in a space suit and i switch over the channel <laughs> or i see somebody with weird makeup on making it look like some kind of alien life form and that's it no <laughs> i don't know what it is it's just a barrier um but but unless uh, it's david bowie yeah <laughs> Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I don't. Well, actually, you talk about David Bowie. I'm thinking. You, now I'm thinking about um, what was the '80s fantasy movie we all watched, Labyrinth. But that's not science fiction. Well, is it science fiction? I don't know. Yeah. Fantasy. It's fantasy. 
Yeah, it's fantasy. I, I love anything fantasy. But yeah, I, I missed out on meeting uh, Catherine Tate when she was in Calgary. I think it was last year or the year before, maybe. Um, so I was very, I was very annoyed about that. Um, but uh, yeah, I know you've met her as well. Yeah, she was fantastic. She's a very, very funny, talented comedian. And uh, if you ever get a chance to go to YouTube and type the Catherine Tate show and you will watch her. It's a bit like the Baron Von, what's the name here in Canada? Baron Von Sketch Show, it's called. Oh, yes. Very similar in style, just in a more, you know, just more British. And I have to say some of the humour is, her humour is so inappropriate. It simply could not be shown on television in Canada, it would be offend. It would be it would offend everybody. <laughs> so, um, but it's if you go to YouTube and uh, type Catherine Tate show, you'll find some very close to the bone comedic sketches. Is all I can say. Um, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. He says. Um, so yeah. Um, but um, I was going to say also, we obviously going back to you know to the the music as well. Um, so I have a question. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit today. So um, if you can't answer it, that's fine. Don't worry. Um, but um, you like and, and I, we you know we we really really love listening to sort of film scores and film music and that kind of thing. Um, I just wondered whether you have a you know particularly a favourite movie score or you have a favorite theme or something like that that you particularly like and maybe just a favorite composer i'm just curious to know i don't have a particularly favorite score or or whatever but i i really really enjoy uh music that you would put into the action and adventure categories it's a very uplifting you know very large themes um things like uh uh you know, we, we were talking uh, the other night in rehearsal, you were talking about the Olympics and, um, you know, of course, the song that was written for the Olympics for um, by John Williams, the Olympic the theme Olympic that he wrote. Fair. Yes, the Olympics. Right. Fair, yeah. Things like that, things that are just big and uplifting. You know, right. if you take if you take music from like, uh, you know, Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark, or it doesn't even have to be, you know, like the, those kinds of genres, but just that type of music, Pirates of the Caribbean or anything that has that really forward moving really powerful music that's the stuff i really like the big bombastic stuff well for me it has to contain the lydian fourth tick and you know this now 24 hours on from our last discussion yeah. <laughs> the lydian fourth is my favorite musical mode it has a it's like playing a major scale but the uh, the fourth note is actually raised by half a step um, right and uh, yeah the there are some famous examples including the simpsons theme which was uh, my biggest clue which led you to uh, get get to the bottom of what my favorite musical device was so uh, yeah uh, but anyway um it has been amazing to chat with you today time goes quickly doesn't it <laughs> it certainly does um and you know really interesting to 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 chat with you and um like all these podcasts it, my my hope is that when we get back to singing that uh, you know that you you sort of connect with people in this way maybe they come up and that's oh i really enjoyed listening to your podcast and it was really interesting and oh and i did this and i did that and and you know it's all about uh, sort of building more more kind of community and friendship indirectly so uh, it's interesting to learn more more about you today so thank you very very much thank you yes you have to be careful when you start letting me talk because i never shut up <laughs> one of many things we have in common <laughs> <laughs> We'll talk to you soon and we'll see you at rehearsal, hopefully. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks for tuning in to Cool Chats today. We look forward to welcoming you back soon for our next episode, profiling the lives of our beautiful Cool Choir community across Calgary, Alberta, Canada. 
Until then, sing loud and proud, everyone. 